Hello, and welcome to the Heart Failure Beat Healthy Living, a podcast brought to you by the Heart Failure Society of America. I'm Dr. Khadijah Brethet, Assistant Professor of Medicine and Advanced Heart Failure Transplant Cardiologist from the University of Arizona Sarver Heart Center. And I'm excited to be your guest host for today's episode on equity and heart failure across racial and ethnic groups. The possible dream? I'm joined today by two leaders in heart failure. Both are heart failure transplant cardiologists from early to senior career. I'm very excited to introduce Dr. Sabra Lucy, Assistant Professor of Medicine from Johns Hopkins University, and Dr. Ileana Pena, Professor of Medicine from Wayne State University, as well as Professor for Central State University and Senior Fellow to the FDA Center for Devices and Radiological Health. Dr. Lucy and Dr. Pena, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. So we'll dive right in. So as we know, equity is becoming the latest hashtag, but it seems out of reach in heart failure and perhaps in medicine. There are six and a half million people living with heart failure, and it's projected to reach eight and a half million in the next decade. Certain groups are dying disproportionately from this disease, namely African Americans and women. Heart failure prevalence also is higher in African Americans and Hispanics than in whites. These same groups are less likely to receive devices, transplants, appropriate care by a cardiologist, and get included in clinical trials. So I'd like to start off the questions. What is the biggest threat to equity in heart failure and why? And if you think, how does COVID-19 and structural racism play a role into these facts? Can we start off with Dr. Lucy? Sure. Thank you so much, Dr. Brethret. Well, I think there are several factors that play into achieving health equity in heart failure. Those are the system level factors, including access to quality health care, adequate health insurance coverage with prescription benefits, access to hospital systems with advanced cardiac care providers, the very basics of access to affordable nutrition, standard health care screenings where people can know and be powered with the power of prevention in terms of blood pressure management, cholesterol and glucose checks and the inclusion of people of color and women in in clinical trials. Certainly, there are provider-level factors as well, such as um, diversity in the physician workforce, cultural sensitivity as providers, and even dealing with issues of bias, whether it's recognized or not. And then there are the patient-centered factors, or what I mean essentially are the common pathway of challenges that end up in the patient's lap that may hinder their ability to really engage with their healthcare provider and the healthcare system in a way that's going to be meaningful for them to get what they need in their healthcare, particularly in addressing their heart failure. So I think the biggest threat is recognizing the complexity of all of these issues and the inertia that exists around the status quo in pushing past these problems to solutions. So that's what I would say are some of the, the biggest factors and the biggest threat in achieving health equity and heart failure. So what do you think, Dr. Pena? How's COVID-19 contribute to this? Thank you for inviting me to this. When we started seeing the um, higher mortality and the higher uh, you know, disease severity in the minority group in the African-Americans and in the Hispanics, my answer was, duh, you know, why are you so surprised? We have had 
equity issues with both of these populations for a long time. To me, there, there is racism here. We want to not talk about it. We don't always want to own up to it. Um, but I think it's there, unfortunately. And I don't think that our African-Americans have the same access to the right care. Are they having a primary care who is likely to really delve deeply into their heart failure or even recognize it or diagnose it for that matter and get them referred appropriately earlier, not when they show up in the emergency room, you know, short of breath and fatigued. So I think the pipeline has got to change because unfortunately, by the time they get to those of us on this call, oftentimes they're already really sick. And the earlier stages that could have been avoided, and we've spent time talking a lot about this stage B, has just not happened. And if hypertension is part of the issue, especially in the African-Americans, it's not being dealt with either. How much do the patients know? How much do they trust that we are telling them the right thing? So I think before we can say that we're not seeing them, we have to see where they come from. And where I have found most of the patients is say they're in the emergency room or they're now admitted and we get a consult to see them. And you start talking to them and you realize that their symptoms didn't start yesterday. Most of them have had symptoms for months and sometimes perhaps for years and they're not being well medicated when we know that these drugs work. I don't think the drugs work any differently on Hispanics or on African-Americans. I just think they're not getting them. So I am personally pretty upset about all this. Thanks for sharing. I agree that I'm hearing kind of the same things from both of you, that this is a frustrating, it's an infuriating thing that this persists year after year, time after time. And it's becoming the status quo that one group does worse than the other. One group fails and the other group wins. What is it going to take to achieve equity and heart failure, I've heard access, I've heard trust, I've heard racism. What, what is it going to really take? What do we have to do concretely? You know, one of the things that I've been looking at now for a while, based on some sessions that we've had both at HFSA and at the American Heart Association, is how many African-American uh, physicians are out there that the patients can look to, you know, patients like me, doctors like me, that may enhance the trust to start with. And we have a pipeline problem there too. Um, you know, the number of African-Americans who have not only uh, started in, in medical school, but have graduated has actually only gone up like by 1.1%. It's minimal when you see the, the amount of the population, the number of African-Americans in our population. And Hispanics who are maybe a little bit better but, but not by much. Uh, and so Hispanic, of which I am one of those people, will tend to get their care locally in their neighborhood from someone who speaks their language. We don't have a lot of those either. So when I look around, we're missing. And, and that is our fault. That, that is not the fault of the patients. That is us, the professionals. Whether we get, and we've done this now more and more, especially at the American Heart, we've got high school programs to try to get high school students interested in science and to show them that they can do whatever they want to do. They just have to work at it and, and they have to work hard, but that they also can attain being in the same places that we are. So we need to work on the pipeline. That's what I'm hearing. What do you think, Dr. Lucy? 
Oh, I completely agree about the the pipeline. The physician workforce is something I'm quite passionate about. And we have only fewer than 5% African-American and, and Hispanic physicians. I think that's particularly important when we consider something like heart failure, where there is a gatekeeper effect to consideration of certain therapies um, in terms of CRT, in terms of consideration of that and transplant. And that is something that as a community, we have to all be accountable to that we are referring patients to advanced heart failure physicians, that we are referring them for these therapies, that we're getting them on the medications that we know are efficacious and guideline directed. I think the other things that are going to help us achieve equity in heart failure in this regard is continuing to recognize the disparity where it exists with data. So we have to completely put out and showcase the data that this is what is going on. And truthfully, we've seen it now for years. And then we have to take deliberate action and be accountable. And that deliberate action is going to have to be multifaceted at the level of policymakers and health systems that this is no longer acceptable. People are dying. We're paying for it in the, in the cost of human toll and also in, in healthcare cost and utilization. And this is not sustainable. Um, so I think those are the things that we do have to, to tackle in our lifetime aggressively. So you kind of jumped into the next question already with when we're considering how to implement change and really change the culture, the way we live, we have to think about who the stakeholders are, who, who do we have to obtain buy-in from in order to change the status quo? And so who, who would you say are the stakeholders? I heard you say insurance companies and policymakers, but who, who are the, those people and what is it going to take to get their buy-in to change the status quo? I think them is us and we just can't turn a blind eye to this anymore and we need to speak up. Medical school admission committees have to start to look at their own roster of, of students. Do the students really look like the community? that they will be servicing. And if they don't, what are you going to do about outreach? I know that a lot of colleges go around the country, rather even high schools go around the country, trying to get students to come to them and, and enroll and apply. Are we doing enough of that in medical schools? Are medical schools getting out there to the undergraduate schools and saying, look, hey, you know, we, we want your students. We want this diverse, very rich student body. And it's just not happening. And I think many of us who see it may have spoken up, but it needs to come up even higher than us. People can't stay silent about this anymore. Or we're going to be repeating this. Every every pandemic, every illness, we're going to be seeing the same vulnerability. What would you add, Dr. Lucy? Well, I completely agree. I think certainly physicians, we have a, a voice. Um, we are practicing in team-based healthcare. And so the members of our team that help us care for our patients in terms of advanced practice providers, nurses, pharmacists, they all have a role in recognizing these health inequities that exist and ensuring that on the individual level, when we're, we're getting to our patients, that, that we're not letting some of these social determinants of health prevent our patients from progressing positively in their care. Um, certainly the health system, insurers and industry, I think, are even stakeholders in this. As they're um, sponsoring clinical trials, we have to make sure that African-Americans, Hispanics, and women are represented in these trials. Professional societies and advocacy groups who have a, a mission uh, at their core to advance the, the health of heart failure patients 
um, certainly have leveraging power in terms of lobbying their voice. And then state and federal policymakers, because at the end of the day, we're all constituents, taxpayers, patients, family of patients. And this affects all of us and it's on all of us. Um, And so I, I think we have to use the data to make sure that everyone is at the table to advance change. So I'm very happy that you brought up the team care because I think that we as often the leaders of the team need to make sure that our team members have the same concepts that we do about equity and that there are none of these preconceived notions of a population that are really unfounded and unproven uh, and that the patients really get exactly the same care appropriate for what they have. And so I think that's our job to do that. And if we see it not happening, we need to speak up. Absolutely. Yeah. I think those are great recommendations. I solely support that we have to get the policymakers, the teachers, the school systems, and our multidisciplinary team of healthcare professionals to be on the same page about what it takes to achieve equity. But we, we know that this, this has a cost to it, right? With any change, there's a cost, be it monetary or time. How do we get that type of funding? How do we move forward where we can actually start to test some of these interventions to to create equity in heart failure, to create equity in medicine? I can tell you that there have been some uh, diversity grants that have been looking at simply, let's, let's talk about simply hypertension and treatment reminders about the appointments or reminders about the drugs, they're not consistently successful. So in this era of of telehealth and monitoring, which may be a way to get people to wake up, the data aren't all there yet. And I, I think we need to do these studies and we need to do them in the right way to test out different strategies to improve the equity. Rather than just blah, blah, you know, sit down and and let's get grants done, you know, whether it's NIH, NHLBI, uh, Heart Failure Society, American Heart, whoever, whatever the the support system is, we need to study this. I mean, we're so confident in all our randomized clinical trials. But what about the approach to the patient? What about access? Can Can we study this so that we have some proof to say, hey, if this group is treated this way, here are the outcomes. And I think the outcomes are worse very often because of this, you know, whether it's implicit or explicit discrimination. I wholeheartedly agree with Dr. Pena. Um, I think we have to put the funding behind research that is applicable to a diverse group of patients, and that has to be mandated up front. Um, And I think there are certainly granting bodies that are doing that, but it, it needs to continue full force and that we actually look for the studies that are going to evaluate policy changes that have happened and the impact on health and test and challenge implicit bias from providers in the system and really focus on patient-centered outcomes and heart failure status of our patients in addition to hospitalization and mortality. And then also looking forward to community-based interventions and how we go about ensuring that that's a part of our focus moving forward, because as, as you mentioned, Dr. Brethren, the this track of issues for how we have patients falling through the cracks once they have heart failure, that train started years ago in terms of 
some of the disparities in education and generational wealth and just discrimination that people have endured throughout their lives. So I think all of that has to come to bear as we test solutions for this. I think those are excellent thoughts about where the where we have to go if we're going to truly even conceive equity because we have to learn how to implement these possible solutions and test them and reiterate them so that it can be most effective for these populations that are suffering the most. And so kind of as a closer, what would you say are the three key takeaways that can contribute to health equity and heart failure for our listeners out there? Sure. I'm, I'm happy to go first. So the things that I was thinking of as takeaways first, I think, um, we really need to think of this as an all hands on deck problem. I don't think we can allow this to be considered the responsibility of one group or one thought body to promote. This is an all hands on deck, system level, provider level, patient centered awareness initiative where we have to have a commitment and interventions that counteract inertia, the status quo. I think the ongoing progress toward health equity as is, is the second takeaway has to continue to be data-driven and patient-focused, and that we have to ensure that there is balanced representation of women and racial and ethnic minorities um, in, in all research in this regard. And the third is that as a community, as patients, as taxpayers, as physicians, we have to hold the system accountable to progress. So those would be my three takeaways. That's a tough uh, question, Dr. Griffith. <laughs> I see this as really a public health issue. This is a public health problem. Public health solutions aren't one way. It really takes multiple mechanisms, multiple inputs. I do think we need a workforce that more likely resembles our population. So that's one aspect of it. And that may be reaching back into the high school programs now and with this COVID some of the schools are not even open and, you know, teaching is coming in the home. And I think that's going to back us all up in the population because the kids do need to get to school and we need to push science in the schools so that there's this hunger for learning that needs to be instilled into the population. It's not okay to have, you know, one medical student be African-American. It's not okay. And we have to stop thinking that it's okay. And we have to stop condoning the programs that do that. So I think having an active voice is, is a very important problem. And then in our care for patients, get the patients to us earlier. If any primary care are listening to me, get those patients to us earlier. This fear that the, you're going to lose the patients is going to be changing in the payment systems. And it's going to be payment for value. And payment for quality. And I dare say, I don't think too many of us know exactly what we're going to put in there for quality and for value. I think those are excellent responses. I would personally support all of them, suggesting that we need, this is a public health crisis, and we have to move from the point where we're just evaluating and documenting disparity after disparity after disparity. Let's document different ways of intervening in different ways to implement successful interventions so that we can actually start to achieve equity. So Dr. Pina and Dr. Lucy, it was so great having you on the podcast today. To find more resources related to heart failure, visit the Heart Failure Society of America's website at 
hfsa.org. And follow us on Twitter and Facebook to see valuable heart failure awareness resources. It's been a pleasure guest hosting this episode of the Heart Failure Beat Healthy Living. To all our listeners, thanks for joining us and have a great day. Mm-hmm.